Slumped over, sinking, she reaches out a desperate hand. Swallowing, suffocating guilt wraps around her like quicksand. There's no way out, no hope to lose this burden of filth. Giving up is all that's left. The muck just rolled over her, choking her cries, squeezing her to death. Silently, softly, the lamb passes by. Thorns crowned tender ears, white fleece stained with blood. Adoring, desperate eyes look down on her weak face. One red, precious drop falls, careening into the refuse. With gentleness, guilt falls away, and freedom cloaks her in alabaster white. Purity encompasses her, making her a new creature, as the lamb breathed his final breath. It's Christmas Eve, and tomorrow we'll gather in places around the region to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Ready or not, here it comes. I'm excited. I hope you're ready. As a church family, we've been preparing for these moments as we've been walking through a, a, a journey of looking at the realities of Advent, looking at the realities of hope and love and joy and peace through our Before Christmas series. And we've come to the point where we've understood in that journey the deeper realities of what the coming of Jesus really means. And soon, as I said, we'll gather in homes across the region to celebrate. We'll hang out, we'll play games, we'll exchange gifts, eat good food, maybe even sing as we celebrate one of the most important events in all of human history, the birth of Jesus. That's what we celebrate at this time of year. Now, there's lots of reasons why this season is special, different things that make it that way. Could be family gatherings for you, could be holiday traditions, but maybe, if you're like me, Christmas music makes the top of the list. I love Christmas music. It makes the season for me. In fact, in our household, Christmas music starts the day after Thanksgiving. The day after, not the day before, the day after. It can't start the day before, it starts the day after Thanksgiving. Do I have any other Christmas music purists in the house? Awesome, listen, hold fast. Do not waver, hold to that. That is a good and healthy boundary, stick with it. But whether you are a Christmas music purist or not, the, the reality is that Christmas music just adds this layer of richness and depth to this season. And many of us have favorite Christmas songs. In fact, what I'd like you to do is to turn to somebody next to you and tell them the name of one of your favorite Christmas songs. I'd like everybody to do that out on our Bettendorf campus, QC West. You guys get in on this. Turn to at least one person and tell them your, the name of your favorite Christmas song. All right. Good, some good excitement, some buzz, lots of different names of songs I'm hearing out there, and some of you are struggling to pick which one, but that's okay. Listen, you've got a favorite, but do you happen to know what the, the most recorded Christmas song is of all time? If you were to guess, do, can you think of what the most recorded Christmas song of all time might be? Here, let's do this. In fact, turn back to that same person and give them your guess. 
Tell them what song you believe is the most recorded Christmas song in all of history. Turn and tell them. Okay, you got it? Got a guess? All right, I'm gonna tell you which one it is. Ready? Here's the answer. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. No, I'm kidding. That's not it. Here, here's the real answer. Real answer, ready? Silent Night. Nice, nice. Who got that right? Raise your hand, nice and proud. Hold it up there. Listen, listen, if you got that right, you get the present tomorrow that the tag fell off and nobody knows who it belongs to. That's your gift. Good job. Look, there are all kinds of Christmas songs and, and, and favorite songs, but one of my favorite Christmas songs is O Holy Night. O Holy Night. It was originally written as a poem by a French merchant named Placide Capeo. And, and he was asked by his priest to write a Christmas poem. And he did. Later, that poem was made into the musical version by a man named John Sullivan Dwight. And that became the foundation of the song that you and I know. And one of the key stanzas, a familiar stanza in that song is this. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Now, you and I, we live in a world where we hear a lot of words and a lot of songs and we can just go into cruise mode and just blow past lyrics without thinking about them. But this particular stanza is just packed with great imagery. Whether it's that starry night imagery or that morning breaking forth, for me, I start to picture that, that first Christmas night when the angels burst onto the scene to proclaim the birth of Jesus, and they said, glory to God in the highest and, and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. I mean, there's just great imagery that comes out of these kinds of words because this is a great song, great lyrics. And over years for me, whenever I would sing this song, there's one particular verse that I would focus on, or what line in it, and it's this one. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. I'm like, that's appropriate, right? <laughs> it's Christmas. It's about Jesus. We're, we're taking time to remember his birth. And it, it makes sense that that would be a focus point. But in the last couple years, another line has just jumped out at me. It's grabbed my attention. It's captured my heart and mind in new ways every time I hear it. And it's this one. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love that line. This is why we feel different at Christmas. This is why we even feel special at Christmas. The soul feels its worth. It's a simple line, but man, this thing stirs my heart, and I wonder if you know your worth this Christmas. In a world that constantly wants to challenge and question our value and worth, where we end up suffering with pain and loss and rejection and judgment and ridicule, we can find ourselves questioning the value of our soul till he appeared. 
Christmas is this moment where the most impossible became possible. Where, where we can be reconciled to God through the realities of what comes out of this Christmas journey. It's a rescue mission, if you would. It's God coming to rescue us. It is the King of kings and Lord of lords coming to rescue, rescue that which is most precious to him. When he appeared and the soul felt its worth, it is in that reality of him coming to rescue what was most precious to him that our soul feels worth. And guilt falls away and freedom surrounds us and we fall to our knees and we worship till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. You know, when Capio first wrote that, that refrain in the original poem, he used these words. He said, people kneel down, wait for your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, here is the Redeemer. Christmas, Christmas, here is the Redeemer. To redeem is simply the concept of buying back. And so the Redeemer is the one who pays that price. And Jesus is the Redeemer of our souls. And, and we need it because we are a broken, fallen people. We so readily trade the truth for a lie. We'll settle for scraps from this world rather than the seat at the banquet table he invites us to. We'll live lives and use our bodies in ways they were never intended to be used and we'll end up in places where we're living lives marked by regret and guilt and shame because of our sin. And it's in those places that we can lose sight of our value. We, we can actually forget the worth we have as image bearers of the king. And we can get to the place where we know not, no longer know the worth of our soul. But Jesus appeared. He came as an expression of the love of God. In fact, it was the disciple John who followed Jesus who wrote in 1 John 4 these words. He said, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Look, we are a loved people. And our worth is defined by the realities of a divine rescue, not by our circumstances. Our worth is not defined by our talents, by our appearance, by our job, or by our income. Our worth is defined by something much different. And it's him appearing in a world pining in sin and error. And that reality proves our worth. Yet the deal is we can question it, especially when bad things happen. When we, when we lose a job, we lose our health, or we lose a loved one, when, when life doesn't work out the way we thought it would, we can land in a place where we actually question our worth. 
We question the reality of, of value because of what happens in our lives. However, in that trouble, in that place, this is where God still sees value in us. And he loves, and he pursues, and he rescues. And again, it's in that reality that we see our soul has worth. And it's because of his love. God so loved the world, he gave his son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. When we realize that we are loved that much, then everything changes. In light of that truth, that's when the soul feels its worth, no matter what we're facing. It was author John Eldridge who spoke about it this way. He said that when a great king rescues his beloved, we all know she is precious to him, and we see his greatness. When the king rescues, it reveals value. It reveals what is precious to him. Jesus came in a manger. He died on a cross, and he leaves an empty tomb so that you and I can know our full worth, so you and I can live life to the full. But that means we must first fall on our knees in submission to the one born in the manger. And when we do that, we know the full value of our soul. And everything changes. Something changes within our heart and mind that allows us to live differently when we know the value of our soul. The brokenness in our life, the junk in our life gets washed away and we are made whole. And we know with a strong sense of hope and love and joy and peace that our soul has value. It kind of reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 9. He said this. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You know, my, my prayer for you this Christmas, my prayer for all of us this Christmas, is that we would know his love revealed in his coming. And that you would know the full value of your soul as you fall on your knees before him and raise your voice with the voice of the angels singing, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. Because it's in that place that we understand the value of our soul and we live in a place of unending hope and love and joy and peace. That's what the coming of Jesus means. And my hope for you is that this Christmas you would live in light of that no matter what you face. Because your Heavenly Father loves you. And He's demonstrated that in His pursuit of you that reveals the value of your soul. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the midst of the busyness of this season, that we can still pause and approach your throne with confidence. I thank you that in our brokenness, in our failure, in our shame, in our regret, you loved us enough to pursue us and rescue us, to make a way for us to be restored in relationship to you. And I pray, Father, that in this Christmas season, Christmas 2014, that my brothers and sisters gathered here today 
would know the value of their soul reflected in your love demonstrated through your son. Thank you for that. May we remember that first holy night, that night divine, and may we join our voices with the angels in singing hallelujah and praise to you, the one who was and is and is to come. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.